Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. Hey, Paul. Again, welcome back to Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Uh, Wait, why, why is your voice doing that? Why are you so why high pitched? Your, why is your voice doing that? I always sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been, you know, sucking on helium all, all afternoon. So, <laughs> hi, Paul. Uh, hi, Paul. <laughs> hi, Ho. Uh, it has it has been a little while. You know, there was we 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 took the hiatus with uh, Discovery. And then, uh, for reasons we'll get into later, we continued to take a hiatus. But, uh, <laughs> you know, during the break, Paul, I finished my seven-season rewatch of Star Trek Voyager. Snap! And, That's big time. <laughs> and comp- yeah. Well, I didn't start it during during the hiatus, oh, but I, I did complete say, it. Damn. I started it, like, around Thanksgiving, maybe? Uh, but okay. I did complete it. And, but I did start and finish all four seasons of Star Trek Enterprise. Okay. I, I have I have watched. But were you craving some Star Trek that you could be excited about? Like what's well, going on here? I gotta tell you, you know, I uh, I I missed some quality Star Trek, and the reason why I was rewatching Voyager is that while I watched it while it was on, I haven't watched other than certain episodes like the Borg episodes. I've watched several times since then, but I haven't watched every episode in order since they first aired. Mm-hmm. And there's, I, I, that was back in the day when you videotape things. And oh, yeah. that, I was an active Star Trek videotaper. I had my own VHS tapes with all the Star Trek episodes on them that I had taped. Not that I had like gotten from a video club or something, but you know that I had recorded off of the television. You know, complete with uh, Maverick basketball. You know, interruptions. <laughs> you know, it's like God. I didn't get Voyager because of the Maverick game. Yeah, that's yeah. the worst. Remember when you used to like you set your VCR uh-huh. and you know basically like you have to program. I wanted to start at seven fifty eight, right, right, and end at eight oh two, just right. in case. That's right. That's right. I don't want to miss next on. Uh huh. And then yeah, then you like load, you know load it up, you fast forward, and then freaking preempted. Oh yeah, quite frequently on UPS, especially uh-huh. Voyager. I remember, and I think this happened with Next Generation, but what would happen to me is I'd be working. And, you know, I Next Generation came on, like, Saturday nights. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I worked on, on the weekends. And, and so it might, it might be several weeks before I got to, you know, watch the episode. And, you know, just that, that moment of, okay, I mean, I'm gonna, finally going to get to sit down and watch this episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. And then, now it's your Dallas Mavericks! And it's like, God damn! 
you know, I mean, it was just super annoying with the, the, the preemptions of, uh, of your, uh, your programming. Super annoying. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you remember the good old days where you could like record something and then watch it at a later period in time versus having to watch it on, you know, on its premiere to avoid spoilers? <laughs> yeah, those were the days before the internet, right? You know, yeah, uh, right. Like, you know, oh, I'll just watch it when I get to it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it, but like, you know, it's okay. I've got, I've got it recorded. Yeah, I'm okay. taping it. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, when uh, the very first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, you know, the encounter at Farpoint, everyone was excited. It's all new Star Trek. It's the first new Star Trek we've had in 15 years or whatever. And uh, everyone, everyone's super excited about it. And uh, you know, had a whole party at my apartment, and then the episode aired. And let me tell you, what a bummer that party was. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, Encounter at Farpoint, not so good. Not so good. No, no. Yeah. We, we shoot it straight here on this podcast. That's right. That's and right. we will never tell you Encounter at Farpoint was good. But, you know, I, I finished watching Voyager, and I finished watching Enterprise. And let me tell you, that while I was surprised that there were a couple of Voyager episodes I hadn't seen, I was not surprised at all of the many episodes of Enterprise I hadn't seen. But I think I have emerged with a higher opinion of Enterprise. Um, it is not as terrible a show as I continue to tell Wayne that it is. Um, I, I remember it being halfway decent. It is. I mean, there are certainly episodes where you're like, oh, come on, get to the point, you know. But uh, I, I, I found it to be well produced. I found it to be well written. And I think part of that, Paul, is how terrible a show Discovery is. Um, <laughs> I think that's fair. I, I still hold true that from what it's worth. Star Trek Enterprise, or just Enterprise, um, has the strongest pilot of any of the Star War Star Trek shows. I, you know, I, I don't disagree. I, I think that uh, I won't say that it's the strongest of all, but I will say that it is a very good pilot. Uh, I think it, I think it is very watchworthy. Uh, Maybe I, one pilot that you found better. That I found better, uh, I would yeah. say the second pilot to the original series, okay, uh, well, where no man has gone before. Speaking uh, of which. Okay. Speaking of which, oh. uh, rest in peace, Sally Kellerman, who was yeah. the guest star in that episode, uh, who, you know, with uh, uh, Commander Gary Mitchell or Lieutenant Gary Mitchell, can't remember his rank, uh, you know, best friend of, uh, of Captain Kirk. They go through, they, they, they enter the galactic barrier, which we're going to come back to and, uh, you know, emerge with supersonic powers. And, but uh, Sally Kellerman uh, died uh, just last week. I was I was sad to sad to see that she was yeah, a, a she was a very accomplished actress uh, for a while there. She was in everything. She was in Mash. Was the original Hot Lips Houlihan in the uh, mm. in the film? So yeah, yeah, I said I said. But uh, uh, I, I I where No Man Has Gone Before is one of my go to Star Trek episodes. I I absolutely love that episode. Yeah, I guess I can't really dispute your uh, my assertion, your logic, your assertion there. <laughs> so, but Enterprise is clearly the second best. I, I don't. I, I'm not sure that I agree with that either. I think. Good. I, I, th I think DS9 may be the second best, strictly mm. for the for the sake of the cold open. The uh, the cold open on DS9 is amazing. Yeah. With the with seeing the the Battle of Wolf three five nine from Cisco's point of view is stunning. And they went out on cocktails on that for three seasons afterwards. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was it was it was an amazing sequence and really set that show up. 
and and to tell a different story than uh, the others. But I'm not, I don't I don't say that to take away from the strength of the Enterprise uh, uh, pilot because I did I I thought that it was very oh, I cinematic. Feel like you did. I, I, feel I thought like that, you did. I thought that the Enterprise <laughs> pilot was very cinematic, and in another world that could have actually been a movie. You know, like something you'd go to mm-hmm. and see it at the theaters. I don't disagree. Yeah. But yeah, I, I rewatched those. I, I rewatched those, uh, you know, Enterprise and Star Trek Voyager. And I got to tell you, those guys were cranking out 22, 23, 24 uh, yeah. episode seasons. And I would I literally put up any one of those seasons against Discovery Season 4. And those guys didn't have half the money. That I mean, I believe the number for Disco is that they're spending something like $10 million an episode. Holy crap, really? I mean, they're spending a ridiculous amount of money on these episodes. And, you know, uh, Voyager and Enterprise didn't have anything like that kind of money. And yet the writing was significantly better. Well, because Voyager's in spe- you know, spending it all on special effects and not on, on good writers. Well, and I mean... Disco thinks you can get away with it with oh, the sorry, special. Disco. Yeah, Disco thinks you can get away with it on special effects. They think they can get away with it on the quality of the acting. And and don't get me wrong, every single actor on that show is terrific. Every single actor on that show is not being served by their writers. But let's come back to that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we, we, we previewed how this conversation is going to go. <laughs> but you know, I I uh, I. I was happy to see while we were gone, and this I think happened last week or perhaps the week before that, that we finally got news that they are getting the Kelvin uh, cast back together for a fourth JJ verse movie. Geez, you're right. I forgot we hadn't talked about that yet. Yeah, we had not talked about that yet. So, and, and I keep seeing things like Zoe Saldana says they're excited to be getting back together. Is she though? Yeah, I I, I got to tell you, I. I <laughs> I'm not sure they are that excited to be to to be perfectly honest. How can you be excited if you haven't seen the script yet? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they're excited to see their friends again, kind of thing. But you know, are they I really feel that like, good friends? You don't know. Maybe they have a text string together. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they've got a podcast that we're not listening to. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, we don't listen to any podcasts except this and Funny Books with Aaron and Polly, <laughs> and occasionally the Four Huntsmen. <laughs> yeah, and occasionally yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm excited. I, you know, I, I think it, it is good news. I'm really curious as to uh, what the script will look like, and I hope they have learned some lessons from uh, you know their their, their their recent outings. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't don't get one of the you know hottest actors around, and then you know put them under a ton of makeup where you can't tell who that person is. You know, let's not do that again. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm you know it's it's concerning, right? They they have. We've heard this before. I've been hurt before, Aaron. I know you have. I know you have. And you want to love. You want to love. I want to love. But like you said, there's no script. They basically just have some form of of idea that they're bringing these actors back. But again, not with any specific plan or or script or director. I I don't think the last director who did the the Legion TV show – for FX, I don't believe he's still on the docket to do this iteration. Of the it. I the last wrong. I heard is that they had hired. I'm sure if we looked this up, we'd find it. But uh, they they had hired a woman to write the script. You are right. Now that you mentioned, and that. I can't remember what her background is, but you know she was uh, 
she'd done something, but she was <laughs> she was she was writing the the new script that the head of Paramount was interested in. You're um, right. But you know, I, I here I just hope that they're true to the characters and they don't just do stupid stuff for the sake of doing stupid stuff. Um, and uh, let me clarify so before we go too far down the pike, and someone has to comment that I'm wrong. Um, they do have a director. It's Matt Shankman or Shackman, uh-huh. who did WandaVision. This yes, is all coming. That's right. I read that. That's true. Yeah. And we are um, the they... most well researched show. <laughs> um, they also have a script by Lindsay Beer and Geneva Robertson Dwore. Now I am not familiar with their prior work, but with a last name like Beer, can't be wrong. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm hopeful. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I, I want to enjoy a uh, Kelvin Universe film. I just there are so many things that I disliked about Into Darkness and Star Trek Beyond. And you know what they need to do is they need to do some original things. They need to yeah. stop aping the original series. Be true to the characters. You know the the you know, stay stay true to those those core concepts. But do new things. Let's create new let's create new pathways. Uh, because wow, the retreading that they have done has been uh, spectacularly bad. I mean, yeah. that was what was what was successful about two thousand nine. Two thousand nine, even though it built on prior story, was original and super entertaining. I love two thousand nine. I oh, really yeah, get a kick here. out of that movie. It's the other movies I don't care for. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm I'm excited to get some Kelvin news. I was also excited. Uh, for the Star Trek Picard original audio drama that came out just last Ooh. week called No Man's Land, featuring actual uh, character, actual actors from the show, Michelle Hurd and uh, Jerry Ryan, uh, playing oh, playing so, their parts, playing Seven of so Nine. So literally, No Man's Land. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, I got to tell you, it is extremely well produced using uh sound effects and whatnot from the actual show uh it reminds me a lot of the way some of the star wars audio dramas are produced Mm -hmm. and therein lies the rub uh Mm. it felt more like star wars than it did star trek in that you know there it wasn't a starfleet story it was you know it, it was very much centered around uh seven of nine being a uh, member of the fenris rangers uh it had rafi kind of being between jobs so she's tagging along and coming to the rescue of seven of course they've got their their romance that we saw in the very final scene of uh picard season one uh and we are exploring that and let me tell you I, I I don't recall ever having heard this in an audio drama before, and keep in mind all the audio dramas I've ever listened to are either horror or science fiction. I can't think of, of, of a non-genre uh, audio drama I've ever listened to. Mm-hmm. And this is a full cast recording. This isn't an audio book just being narrated by these two actors. This is a full cast recording. You know, so it's like it's like a radio play. But <laughs> The kissing noises that the actors make was grossing me the hell out. I, it was well, it would be like, oh, seven, good to see you. <laughs> Just, uh, and it, it wasn't that. It wasn't 
it wasn't grotesque. It was just in my headphones, and I just really didn't want to hear that. <laughs> I, I I just was like, yeah, you know. So it is an audio drama, not necessarily an audio book. Correct. It is not an audio. It is not an audio novel. It's an audio okay. drama. So it's very much like an interstitial uh, episode between season one and season two. And at the, uh, I won't, I won't. It's out. It's too fresh out, so I won't spoil anything. But I will say that it had that problem that I feel like Star Trek has when it wanders away from Starfleet. And it just doesn't really seem like anything. It feels like it's a a cheap knockoff of Star Wars. And that was my complaint about this, is that it felt like a cheap knockoff of Star Wars as they try to, you know, have a bar scene, as they, you know, try to do something renegade-y. there were elements that reminded me of Star Trek role-playing games I played back when I was in high school and college about, hey, we found a starship, you know, also reminiscent of Prodigy. You know, hey, I found a starship. We'll just run it like we're Starfleet. You know, I mean, it was, it was elements like that. I just, I didn't find it to be very good, though I thought mm. all the actors were working their asses off. In fact, there was one actor that I was convinced was Jeffrey Combs. Uh, he sounded so much like Wei Yun and uh, uh, Liquidator Brunt from uh, Deep Space Nine, but it, it apparently was not Jeffrey Combs, but boy, sounded an awful lot like him. But all the actors are working their asses off. I think what didn't serve them was the script, and the script was an awful, it just wasn't very good. Um, it just seemed like a very middling effort in terms of the writing of it, but it was very well produced, very well acted. Um, I, I But I could not recommend it. Well, it's a shame, but at least you gave it a shot. I did. And do you find that it, uh, that I don't know, do you find that it could... Knowing that these things have very little to do with actual continuity or canon, but do you mm-hmm. feel like it? it, it I feel like it it's will, in you. You know, I feel like it'll it's, come into play or you know, in your enjoyment of the coming season. Well, I do feel like it's in continuity, uh, just based on what I know about what's supposed to happen in season two. Um, it does set up that you know seven. Uh, remains with the Fenris Rangers, which again is not a Star Trek name, uh, that uh, Rafi returns back to Earth to rejoin Starfleet. Uh, and that occurs in the in in this story, and I, I believe that's what episode one is going to be all about. But, uh, you know, it, it, it did refresh, uh, you know, your, your familiarity with these characters. Um, I, so yeah, I, it, it got me a little jazzed. What got me more jazzed about season two of Picard is the uh, final trailer that came out. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I got to tell you that here's the thing. Here's the thing that got me excited is how much Starfleet appears to be involved in, uh, season two, that it feels like a return to normal. And what I really liked was that they were on a 24th century starship. Not a 24th century La Serena, uh, but a 24th century, you know, Federation cruiser. I just, I, I, I like the Starfleet ships. I did, I thought the La Serena was cool, but it looked like a Battle of Babylon, Babylon 5 ship. Um, it just didn't look at home in the Star Trek universe. Did not have the Star Trek design aesthetic. Yeah, you know, I'm very, uh, I'm very curious to see how this next season is going to play out. Same. I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, it is, for I am both excited at what I see and also confused. Uh-huh. 
because it does seem very much a departure from season one, which I, of course I can, I can get behind that, but it feels like they established a continuity and story thread in season one that I'm, I find very interesting that they just, they, they, they seem like they're done with that aspect of it. Well, and, and I'm at go- least, it, you know, it's a trailer, so you don't know. Yeah, right. I mean, and, you know, we know that time travel is going to be involved, so we don't know how much of the trailer is actual, you know, real continuity Fair. versus, you know, what is uh, altered. Um, but I got to say, I I love that we're kind of, you know, sticking our hand back in real Star Trek with Q. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, as much as uh, Whoopi Goldberg irritates me in other forms, uh, I do like her as Guinan, and so I'm excited that Guinan's back. Uh, as am I. I do find it interesting that Spiner's back as well, uh, playing you know, I, a completely I, different role. Yeah, yeah. Which I, you know, I mean, he is the man of a million faces that all look the same. <laughs> that all look exactly alike. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually found that a curious, you know, kind uh-huh. of adding to my curiosity. You know, Data had his his emotional goodbye, and it kind of seems a, a bit of a cop out to, hey, you know, we're gonna have a uh, Spiner in a, in a different role. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he's an ancestor, you know, because, yeah, they're coming into the 21st century, and I'm sure that, you know, apparently the Sung family tree just is is just a pole. (laughs) (laughs) They they basically, I mean, someone's got really strong uh, genes in that family because all of them just look like that one. Well, I think there's a lot of intermarriage within that family. You know, in order to, to, to keep, keep distilling the same features. Yeah, maintain the bloodline. Yeah. Yeah. We, we I, like the way we look. Yeah. We should all look yeah. this way. I, th- I think Sung created an opposite gender clone, found his opposite gender clone fetching, and uh, that's what you've got. That's, I'm just. Clearly. Um, yeah, that's what I think's going on there. But I, I'm excited. You know, Picard, I think, debuts uh, uh, Thursday of this week. Yeah, uh, Thursday, March 3rd. You know, we are recording this on March 1st. So, uh,. Next time we're on the mics, we will be discussing that, which is exciting to me because it would be nice to discuss Star Trek that, knock on wood, I enjoy. Yeah. Um, You know, because uh, are we on the the disco portion of the outline? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So one of the reasons we we have not come back is that Paul and I didn't want to just hop on the mics and trash Star Trek Discovery. Because we did that last time, and it felt yeah. like we're on a Star Trek podcast, we we shouldn't. Yeah, and we said then, and I, I will maintain now, is that we want to like this show. You know, we are we are we are hungry, we are thirsty for it. I but, don't hate watch it, and I think that's one of the things that I want to be you know clear about yeah. because some people do watch hate, you sure. know, hate watch yeah. something like watch it with the intention of, of of hating it, and every time I sit in front of it, and admittedly I. I, I was three episodes behind or two episodes behind um, prior to us recording. And I, I just, you know, I, I could not muster up well, the excitement to get I, caught up. I but want, I did. I want to alleviate some concerns because, you know, we've got three episodes of Discovery that we need to cover. Uh, the All In, Rubicon, and the Galactic Barrier. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. typically we spend anywhere between 20 and 30 minutes talking about a given episode. Well, we are not going to do that today. Nay. Instead, what I think these three episodes represent, two things, and I'm only going to talk about one right now, and I'll hit the other later, but I think they represent a case study, a case for court-martialing Michael Burnham. I find her to be ineffective as a captain. 
I find her judgment to be questionable, and she has continually disobeyed orders. Uh, she has yeah. failed her mission over and over again. In the episode All In, uh, and it's they, they, they go to uh, you know this casino, and she's got to she her her mission is to stop Book and Tarka from acquiring the uh, the material in order to create their DMA their anti DMA device right mm-hmm. and she does she in her defense she doesn't have weapons with her but yeah, she but she's on a space station uh huh but let's be clear here but she's also on like a CD space station. So it's not like she couldn't get weapons, and she's not there under official Starfleet anyway. Uh-huh. So I found it kind of an interesting choice that she didn't just acquire a weapon because she had no problem sending Owo into a, a street fight. Yeah, I mean, he is a Federation citizen, and she should have used her authority to take him into custody and done whatever it took to do that. She didn't. The him in the question is book, right? Yeah, so we're referring right. to book here. And, and you know, she, because we continue to see their relationship played out in a way that could destroy the universe. Instead, she gambles for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she loses the bet, and you know, book makes off with the stuff. Now she does put a tracker on it uh, and feels. Get, very, out, but and, get out of here I, with the I, tracker I, thing. I, I know, I know. Again, <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> she uh, she she you know fails her mission. Goes back. She's getting chewed out by the president. You know, I did get a tracker on it. And by the way, send me to go get him. And so in Rubicon, they're there in the DMA ready. You know, the book and Tarka are ready to, you know, detonate the device. She has several opportunities to shoot him out of the sky. Yeah. And she doesn't do it. She she all the and they're they're flirting the whole time in terms of him counter counter moving her, her outmaneuvering him. Uh, I it is it really brought to me, Paul, the history of captains in Star Trek. And let's 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 take a walk down this road. Captain Kirk mm-hmm. never dated a member of his crew, right? Despite the fact that there was a really heavy attraction between him and Yeoman Rand in the first season, it never happened, right? Because it wasn't appropriate, and he loved his ship. Captain Picard dated a member of his crew exactly once, and that was uh, the scientist, Nella Darren. Did you consider Crusher a relationship of some form? He didn't date her. He didn't date her. It was was a very close relationship, but they didn't actually date. Mm, Fair, fair, fair. Um, You would know this more than I would, so. Well, they they didn't actually date in the series. They, you know, maybe something that happened in the novels or whatnot, but, you know, not actually here. Even Mm. though in uh, the final episode, All Good Things, they had apparently been married at one point, but that's out of continuity. Um, Anyway. He, de- he dated mm-hmm. Nella Darren, but when he had to put her life in jeopardy and it was so stressful for him, he realized he could never do it again. So, you know, they broke up and you know she transferred off the ship because he knew he could never put her at risk again. So, I mean, that was Captain Picard. He did it once, didn't work out, send him along. But he did the job. He had to put her in harm's way, and he did. It was just awful for him internally. Janeway yeah. never dated on Voyager, no. although she did hook up with Tom Paris when they became lizards and had lizard babies, but you know what she did? She left those lizard babies on the planet and went back went back to work, and they didn't, never talked about it again. But let me talk about Mr. Ben Sisko, or I'm sorry, Commander Ben Sisko. 
When his girlfriend turned out to be in league with the Maquis, what did he do? He arrested her. And she went to prison. Meanwhile, on Star Trek Discovery, Michael Burnham won't do what she needs to do to protect the entire Federation because she's worried about her relationship with her boyfriend. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, she she cannot make the hard decisions in this. And it is inexcusable that, you know, the Admiral hasn't taken her out of play and that the President hasn't taken her out of play. It, it, it Not is, just that, they've practically encouraged it, right? Right. You know, by, by enabling her to, to be in an, an authoritative position. Right. In, during these times. Like, they, they this is literally, you know, first contact with a species that, mm-hmm. you know, millions of, you know, billions of people... Can, you know, have died as a result of this. Well, you know, at the end of Rubicon and at the beginning of the Galactic Barrier, Michael Burnham should have been taken off the playing field. She should have been benched, yeah. and somebody else. And I don't. I'm not sure that Saru would be the right guy. I think they need an, another, you know, commander. This would have been a nice opportunity to see some other captain in Starfleet in the far flung future that is capable, right? Why didn't we put that person on the bridge? Because Michael Burnham is, in in the terms of the story they're telling, she is wildly incompetent as far as this issue. Um, but, you know, the, the president decides to, I'm going to uh, hand over my presidential authority to the vice president, and I'm going to come along. And let me just say that nowhere else in this show is it as present to me at how limited the talent pool is in Canada because you know they're not bringing in actors from the states and the actor who plays the president is the best they could get I I, I was thinking about it you know earlier today I'm like you know we really need a president with some gravitas you know yeah. s- someone that you can believe yeah that person's actually a president and i don't understand why they didn't get somebody who what I, I was thinking about you know I, I think i think woman is the right casting but mm-hmm. why isn't this person this person should be somebody with some lived history it should be somebody much older um it should be somebody who i mean i was thinking like you'd never get this for star trek but like a dame judy dench you know a helen mirren uh you know somebody of of that caliber uh who's just got a real presence about them you know i was thinking about uh judith anderson who played the uh vulcan priestess in star trek 3 you know Mm -hmm. she she just had i mean there's just all this you know uh so i have that right is that who that was Judith Anderson. I can't remember if she played that or if she played DePaul in a muck time. Either way, lots of lots of just, you know, really, uh, you know, an intense presence. I don't understand why they didn't do that other than maybe that the talent pool just isn't that deep in terms of Canadian actors. Because, you know, due to COVID-19, uh, they're not bringing in uh, as many folks from, from the States other than just the primary cast. Yeah. I, I, I just I, I really feel like the the actor who's playing the president is wildly miscast because I every time she opens her mouth, I'm like, shut up already. <laughs> I just I don't really care what you have to say, because, number one, you haven't booted uh, Michael Burnham to the curb. And uh, uh, two, you know, I I don't really uh, cop to the fact that you are actually uh, president uh, of the Federation. Well, I think one of the things that, you know, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode, and this is turned into the Burnham and Book show, which (laughs) what it's worth. I mean, which is frustrating. It's frustrating. But here's the thing. I wouldn't care. 
like you know that 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 stuff happens right your lead characters end up taking up the majority of your screen time you know whether it's kirk and spock eventually you know or people love data so data's got to be on every away mission or you know th- that type of thing in in the situation we see here i think one of my my struggles with it is that to your point it's too much of an ish- it's too much of um a gap in in believability mm-hmm. to to believe that they that Burnham is still still permitted you know or 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 that book is still permitted to live um as a free man given what he's done given what he continues to do um and that you know so much of this is riding on on literally their ability to 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 hash out their relationship issues um and on top of that, you know, I, I think one of my biggest struggles with it isn't so much that you focus on the lead characters. It's that you have either taken other characters off the table um, temporarily or permanent, you know, or perceived permanently, or you've neutered characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what I mean by that, you know, I think about some of the characters like Odette Fair, and I don't remember his, his character's name off yeah. the top of my head. The Admiral. Yeah. The Admiral. But, you know, you think about Odette Fair and, and his his interaction last season versus his interaction this season. This season, he's basically just there. I, you he's know, not I, really doing anything. He's giving sage advice sometimes, but he's I not really sure, co- contributing. I thought for sure he was coming on the mission. I thought for sure he, he was going to take command. Because yeah. I, I was like, you know, I, he'll take command. He'll leave Saru as first officer for his experience with the ship. I mean, I seriously, I thought that's what was going to happen. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm down for Oded Fair taking on the bridge, you know, and seeing him working with the other folks. Because, you know, he seems like a really nice man, but we've really not seen him pressured. And, no, but we did see him empowered last season. Yeah, sure. And yeah. in this season, you know, he's basically he's not. He's not yeah. at all. You yeah. know, he, he, he is either always yielding to the president or to Burnham, you know, who who he outranks, you know. But even you know, in addition to that, you mentioned Saru. Saru, you know, Saru's not contributing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they they brought Saru's character back, but he's really, I mean, he's just they brought his character back, and really all he's doing is love story stuff, right? You know, he's not really yeah, that's a contributing member of the crew. Yeah, his big and moment then, is 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 courting the president of Navarre. Which I, I like the story. Don't get me wrong. I like her. I like him. She's got yeah, more gravitas. Same here. She's got more gravitas than the president of the Federation. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I like both of those storylines. But you're right. Saru's not getting a lot to do otherwise. And you know, perhaps it's because you know, much like Tilly, they've told the story they plan to tell with Saru. They don't know what else to do with him, uh, but they know they like him on the show, so he's there. Uh, you know, but it seems like everyone there is basically just either steering the ship. Because, you know, uh, or or they are there in service entirely, either emotionally or to, you know, like I said, to drive the ship for Burnham. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you think about, oh, whoa, she's basically, you know, she had her moment this season as a street fighter. But outside of that, she's not contributing anything. And Tendi, you know, and Tilly, you know, not contributing anything. Tilly's yeah. even gone. Tendi um, is, on, and, uh, is on Lower Decks, by the way. Oh, sorry. Um, who's the, <laughs> the the lady with the robot eye? Detmer. Detmer. Yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Tindy is also not doing anything <laughs> on this show. Uh, that is a war crime. <laughs> but uh, you know, and and but you know, you think about the doctor. Uh huh. Um, you know, and he's not even a, he's not even actually doing doctor type work anymore. You know, he's a counselor for the rest of the ship. He's like, it feels like, don't get me wrong. I, I like that aspect of his role, but it feels like they've completely gotten rid of anything that empowers these characters at the expense of, of what, 
you know, yeah, uh, of having them contributing aspects to the story because none of them really contribute anything. Well, anymore, I, other than emotional, you know, drama. I think that Star Trek Discovery has has forgotten one of the key concepts around Star Trek, and it's that Star Trek is about our main characters. Um, I recently finished reading uh, These Are the Voyages, uh, which uh, volume one, which is about the first season of the original series and mm-hmm. really goes into depth of, uh, you know, pitching the series, going to pilot, going to second pilot, and then producing all the first season episodes. And it's a really detailed experience. And one of the things that Gene Roddenberry always said is that our show isn't about the guest star. The guest star helps tell the story about what's happening with our main characters, our main characters. There's a reason why Uhura, Chekhov, uh, Sulu didn't get a lot to do, and that's because it was happening, most of the action was happening with Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, and Dr. McCoy, right? Mm-hmm. Um What Discovery has done is they've said, you know, the story is almost anywhere else. The story is with, you know, our guest star, and I don't, I don't even know how we're crediting Book now. I guess maybe he's a series regular, but, you know, we're telling these stories and we're giving all of these multi, multiple actors things to do and say when the original Star Trek would have said, you know what? Kirk should be saying that. Uh, Spock should be saying that. McCoy should be saying that. Giving them more to do, distilling it down into a smaller, but more meaningful cast of characters. We've got this sprawling cast, which I think is great to give you a sense of how many people are on the ship. But, you know, think about how Deep Space Nine was a sprawling cast, and everybody had something to do, everybody had something Mm -hmm. to say, and they had genuine character moments. You know, their idea of a character moment for Owo was, you know, to have her get the shit beaten out of her in a, a, a street fighting match. Um, and apparently doing some kind of, of, uh, you know, I'll take my beatings for two rounds and in the third round will bet heavy on me, you know, like experienced gambling establishments don't have that shit figured out. I, I really despise how we are telling stories with the bridge crew that we love. I love Detmer. I love Owo. I love the other folks. But I love Tendi. Yeah. <laughs> she gets surprisingly little to do this season in Star Trek so Discovery. So little. But you know the the, the way they keep telling stuff, and I forget the the is it Bryce who you know yes. tells Saru that well the reason why I want to help these folks is because a long time ago I had this issue myself, and so I feel like if I'm helping them, I'm I'm helping like I like I needed help back then. Yada yada. I mean it's just like like straight character motivation spewed at at Saru and it reminds me of, of uh Speed Racer when you'd run into a uh, a new character there and you go well a long, long time ago my father left me and yeah, la, 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 and just like spewing all of this character motivation it the writing is terrible on this show Paul it's it terrible is. and you know uh, and yeah i think you you hit a, a nail on the head as it relates to kind of the the, the way those characters interact in the story everything for me it's star trek and i understand that star trek has its its issues that you know result in its fan base being smaller than some than other properties um but i think that yeah but but so i think one of those issues that people had always had trouble just connecting with star trek was about that they felt it was cold right that it was it was 
that the the Starfleet, the characters were military, you know, not a lot of emotion, that kind of thing. And I've, I've heard that criticism before. I'm not saying I share it. I'm just saying it's a criticism I've heard as to why people don't care for Star Trek. I feel like they've gone too far the other way in the show because every character has to have every character who has a speaking line uh-huh. has to have some long expository uh-huh. discussion about why this is the most important thing that's ever happened to their lives. Well, and it's all trauma. I mean, it, it's all trauma. They're yeah. all sharing their trauma. And I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, you would think I forget the guy's name with the glasses. Uh, who's the, like their head of section 31, but he's also like head of counselor. Oh, David Cronenberg. Yeah. Cronenberg David Cronenberg. Yeah. But. David Cronenberg. Uh, you know, you would think he would see how much trauma is walking around that bridge and go, okay, okay. A couple of y'all have to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would think this so, is right? dangerous. Like, yeah. like it seems like it's, not, it's not an emotionally well crew. <laughs> no, no. And I get that. And I, I think that's fine to play with, but some, nobody is telling even non when non came and rode along in uh uh rubicon mm-hmm. she didn't even jump in there and say fire the damn torpedoes you know i mean there was there's some namby pamby well i think we ought to do something here and hey look i've got this other secret information we probably ought to do something here but she never forced the issue no she was just like hey well you know this one time i lost half my crew and i won't uh-huh. do it again you know, everything yeah. is so traumatic and uh-huh. emotional. And it's like, can we just can we just tell a story? And can we was, tell a story well? It was nice seeing Non again, but I would have rather a a, 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 a return to the traditional, you know, horrible uh, Star Trek observer. You know, the, the terrible person who's going to stand there and then wrest control of the ship from the captain to do the thing. That the captain then has to remediate. We didn't get that. The person who fucked up the mission was Michael Burnham. Again, she should be court-martialed. She should lose her pips, Paul. Her pips. They should be lost. You remember? You remember? You remember back in season one when she had to go to prison? Yeah. She needs to go back to prison. <laughs> you know, and when they said, "Oh, you know, we have hopefully a familiar, friendly face," I was like, "Oh, they found a way to bring Tilly back." Yeah. Now, she's not right for that. Yeah. You know, the, the the responsibilities that they discussed in the and show. And non seems like, so random, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. uh, I'm sorry, what happened to all her seed mission? You know, she was manning the, 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 the ship of seeds. What the hell? Uh, I That was so weird. That was so weird and unnecessary. I think you would have been better off with someone else. Or just sending the admiral along. Yeah. You know? I mean, he's got a Get vice admiral there, right? I mean, you know, let let the admiral t- have have a trip. Anyway, I, you can tell I, I, I think the only reason Paul and I are as, you know, uh, riled up about this as we are is because we want it to be good. And I don't know what the hell they did in season four, but seasons one through three are infinitely better than this damn thing. I, the entire season has been a turd. The best episode they've had this season was the one directed by Jonathan Frakes, and it wasn't that good. His directing, no. though dynamic, cannot save the writing uh, in this show. It is awful. It is awful. Which, you know, we're on a Star Trek podcast, so please understand, we're not going to bitch about Star Trek every time. And if if that's what it's going to boil down to, then we won't have a Star Trek podcast. That's right. Well, we'll continue to have a gigantic hiatus. Because, you know, if we don't have anything nice to say. (laughs) I am am hopeful for Picard Season 2. I am super hopeful for Strange New Worlds. You know, Um, I've got the biggest erection for Strange New Worlds. I just, I'm, I'm giddy. I'm giddy. 
about Strange New Worlds. I mean, I don't know that we needed to, to talk about that, but well, okay. I, it, is a, it is a monster erection, Paul. Every morning I wake <laughs> up with wood, and it's all France and Mount. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, that, that has nothing to do with Strange New Worlds. <laughs> I am so excited for Strange New Worlds. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. But Maybe. I'm also exci- I, I am I, if you were to chart the levels of my excitement, I'm probably a hard eight for uh, for Star Trek Picard, and I'm all on like an eleven for Strange New Worlds. I, I'm really excited about Picard. I have heard really good things from people I trust in, who have seen it. Uh, I, uh, I I'm I'm really excited. I will say I am probably a solid six point five. Yeah, I for heard, Picard. I heard. Uh, one of the guys who's one of the effects designers was talking about, you know, one of the things that just drove me crazy about the the season finale of season one of Picard and how all the ships look the same, how every mm-hmm. single ship in the, in the in Starfleet is the exact same design. And they're like, yeah, that was a huge mistake. We just didn't have time to make all the other digital models. And so that's what we did. Uh, that he's like that will never happen again. <laughs> We've designed some really pretty ships, and other people I know who have seen them uh, are saying that the the the, the uh, technical designs are gorgeous. They understood the mistake they made with La Serena, and that's one of the things that has me excited about Picard is that they have acknowledged some of the problems in season one, and I'm just really tickled uh, and you know giddy with anticipation to uh, see what they do. I'm excited. So it's good to be excited again because I got to tell you, Discovery feels like taking medicine. It is just yeah. awful. <laughs> you are it not is wrong. Just <laughs> awful. And I hate and I'm that kind because of surprised that they are airing them simultaneously. Admittedly, it, I don't know why you would do that. Given considering Discovery really only has a few weeks left. Yeah, yeah, and that doesn't it doesn't make sense to me either. It seems to me like you'd air the last episode of Disco and then say, "Come back next week for Picard." You know? Yeah. Though I don't, this but is something sure I don't. Some something I don't understand about Paramount Plus is why they don't bake the previews in. I don't know why I've got to go too. watch the fucking ready room to see uh, the trailer for the for the next episode. Or go to Instagram. Yeah, it's I mean, annoying. the hell. Why can't you just plug it in there? Why can't it just be my next up is the trailer? I don't understand that. And it seems like they they would be. You know, I watch Paramount Plus quite a bit actually, and I don't understand yeah. why I'm not seeing more previews for uh, Picard. So, yeah, fair point. Like uh, all, I'm, all I'm really seeing is previews for uh, Mayor of Kingstown whenever right. I watch something. Right, and 1883 is what I'm seeing. You know, <sighs> I'm seeing a lot of Yellowstone related content is is being advertised, and I'm sure you know folks will be interested to uh, you know listen to our Yellowstone uh, podcast coming soon to a podcast catcher near you. Yes, yeah. I'm very excited to talk about that. Yeah, but uh, Paul, we're not going to talk about that today. What we are going to do is say not? is say hey. Give us a call. We want to know what you think about oh, Star yeah. Trek Discovery, about Star Trek Picard, and every, all the other things. Uh, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. In fact, Paul, maybe it'll be one of those old VHS tapes with my uh, Star Trek The Next Generation on it and the Mavericks game. <laughs> Just the Mavericks <laughs> <laughs> You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All right. We're going to do this again. We promise to be in a better mood when we do. Uh, I can't (laughs) promise that, but I can promise we'll talk about Picard next time. There you go. There you go. Okay. See you all next time. Bye. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. 
Tribble Wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays, no troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.